0: Coming up today on David versus Goliath.
1: You don't need a lot of people writing software. You need a couple of people writing good software. We're so far ahead that like the companies trying to do what we do are like four years behind.
0: Iron Man sucks!
2: Welcome to today's episode of David vs. Goliath, a podcast dedicated to helping small businesses leverage technology to not only help them compete against their large competitors, but win. Your host is currently the CEO of Anthem Business Software, a three-time Inc. 500 recipient and a serial entrepreneur with a passion to help small businesses everywhere find, serve, and keep more customers profitably. Please join me in welcoming your host, Adam DeGrade.
0: Hey everyone, it's Adam DeGrade with the David vs. Goliath podcast. Welcome. Today's guest is going to be Ahmed el I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. I think I am from Narrator AI. Should be an awesome interview. We're going to learn a ton about this technology. Also, don't forget, today's episode is brought to you by AutomateMySocial.com, where you can automate 90% of your business's social media in seconds and never have to think about it again. Stop paying thousands of dollars to have somebody do your social media for you. Have it automated by com. We we use it at Anthem Software. We use it at David versus Glive Podcast and a bunch of my other businesses. It has been revolutionary and life-changing. And it's the best part is it's only $250 a month per business. And uh if you sign up today, you get a discount as well, too, up to um you know 20% off, which is fantastic. Check it out at automatemysocial.com. And by the way, if you're an agency, or a social media manager in a business, you can sign up as well too. We'll do all the work for you. It'll be our little secret. And so anyway, with no further ado, let's get right into the episode today with Ahmed. Ahmed, welcome to the David versus Goliath podcast.
1: Hey, thank you for having me here. I'm really excited to be here.
0: I'm excited. I love talking AI. I I talked to a gentleman several weeks back that also does AI um, it seems to be a common theme now in technology with artificial intelligence and uh, and everything going around it. One of the things that I that I I couldn't help but and I'm sure everyone asks you about it is how you began in technology. Was you worked on autonomous vehicles, so vehicles that drive themselves? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, why don't you give the watchers a li- listeners a little bit about a what you're doing now and then how you got there?
1: Yeah, so. Today, our focus, we do leverage AI, but our focus is in helping people answer questions. So Narrator is a data platform that allows you to ask and answer any question in minutes. And the magic of it, the whole thing happens while data is in your data warehouse using a single table. So it's a very unique approach to answering questions, and it uh, works really, really well. Inspired by a lot of the work I've done in the past. So backstep my career three steps. Um, before this, I, was, uh, I built out a data team at WeWork, so got to build out their infrastructure, grew the team, so a lot of fun stories there. And then before that, I did AI for missile defense, tracking uh, discrimination, really dealing with fast-moving objects going out of space and inside and what do you do there. And before that, I was in self-driving cars. And self-driving cars in 2010, which is, if you guys don't know, like where a lot of the cars initially started from, known as the DARPA Urban Challenge. And I spent a lot of time, again, working on tracking and um, and localization. So where does a car, how do you know where it is? How does a car know how to navigate the world with error, with uncertainty, and really make it that um, experience that we have today?
0: Uh, you know, uh, I, I, am, I am not a big fan of self-driving cars yet. I think it's going to take, I love the feel of holding the wheel and driving it myself. I, I, have, a, I have a lot of cars and uh and i enjoy driving them and i i've re- recently driven a um i rented a tesla when i went uh to uh, oklahoma city and you know you have the option and i couldn't bring myself to try it you know in your experience i mean how safe is that really still to this day is it safer than letting a human drive for real
1: um it's safer than a lot of humans so like think about it this way Um, (laughs) that's the best thing
0: that's the best thing anybody's ever said it's safer than a lot of humans
1: yeah because that's the point right the point of self-driving cars is not to compete with the elite driver who's alert and aware and like is focused it's to help with the tired driver who's driving for four hours and is like okay like I want to get there but like I'm not as focused because I'm exhausted and those drivers make so much more mistakes and all you have is a someone, a vehicle that's looking around. This is actually the same thing in narrator. When we think about answering questions, like we don't want to replace your intelligence to answer the question. We actually don't want to like just give you, we don't give you an answer. Like, we don't, we're not like, hey, X matters. You'll be like, fuck off, I need to do my job. I need to think about it. What do you know? So what we do is we think about these things as augmenters, like really an ability for you to, if you're driving and a car is coming from a really weird angle, and it's moving at fast speeds that you don't feel like, the computer can see that much easier than you can. And the computer can start alerting you, even if it's just flashing, look at your f-ing mirror. Like, think about just something as simple as what we had with like blind side detection. Like you're in the mirror yeah, and the totally. light turns on. It's nice, it's helping you and it's minimizing the worry that you are as a driver that like if something out of the ordinary happens, um, you'll, be, you'll be aware. Because like just those ability to notice those things is just a lot higher. And in narrator, we do the same thing. Like you might see something and you might see like this big, this is so much better than this. And narrator's like, great, like you could start there, but let us just kind of give you more guidance where the fact that like your business has changed over time and that might be better in aggregation, but that's really driven by the early customers. And nowadays it's actually the opposite. All these small things that you're likely to make mistakes in, computers can really just check all of them much faster and tell you what's important without you having to actually go up in and do that work. So it's yeah, never yeah. going to be that replacement.
0: You know, it's it's funny because I, I built software for a living myself as well too. and uh, And it really is designed to enable and help highlight areas of strength, cover areas of weaknesses but back to the car thing and we're not going to stay in this all the time i promise you this but i'm just thinking about it because i get i buy the new i bought a a few new cars and they all have these settings that won't let me go into another lane without letting the blinker know that i'm going to go in the other lane so if you just if you're driving down the highway and you start to take a left it'll go It'll try to pull you back. That drives me crazy, that stuff. And so I'm always shutting that stuff off. I go back to the dealership and said, I don't want any of this stuff on. I want to be able to run into anything I want to run into because I think in some cases that's more dangerous. I'm in a car right now. I rented because I'm here um in, on the summer here in California and I'm driving around in this Mercedes that I can't listen to my music or talk radio if I'm coming up to somebody and it thinks I'm going too fast, it'll go eh, 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 shut my music down. So it forces me to say, oh, I got to stop. I was stopping anyway. So I, I I think one of the things that's frustrating to people in general is that technology is great. But when it's tried to be forced on you too much, I think it it becomes a detriment in some ways. It can actually be. Do the exact opposite of what we intended it to do. Not that narrator does that. I'm not saying that. Well, I'm saying in just a case of self-driving cars in this awareness system of like, oh, you're an idiot. You're going too fast. You need to slam on the brakes. I mean, and then the brakes will lock on you. It's crazy when I'm driving totally fine.
1: And that's, so I would say that's shitty software. (laughs) Like, that's my
0: point. That's like, my point. Not all software is created equal.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, th- I, I wouldn't say that's the problem with the intelligence of a car. So we have this thing all the time with narrator as well. Like Here's the funny thing. Uh, we do a lot of stuff that is – people always say, like why don't you just run every possible combination and then tell me what matters? And I'm like, because nobody was going to do anything with that. Like I want it to be <laughs> actionable with what you're doing today. I want it to be English. I want it to explain to you. I want you to read it and your yeah. thoughts are evidence. And I think it's that level of little nuance that matters. Like if you're already hitting the break, like you, the, the, the computer's job is to guide you, not ensure the action. And I think a lot of times, yeah. and this happens in data software, some data software tries to give you the answer. They forget that the answer is actually garbage. No one cares. The job is to get you to take action. That's it. So if you're already taking the action, me telling you, like, if 99% of all your customers are women and me telling you, women convert better than men, you're like, cool. <laughs> like, you don't care. If if you're driving and you're braking and it's like, break, 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 you're just like, oh, shut the fuck up. Like, I already know that. And now your brain starts ignoring those signals as important. Yeah. So, less yeah. signals, better signals signals that are designed to get you to do something, not get the car to do something. And I think that little nuance is the difference between quality and like, and that's it. So like if I was designing a car, my goal would be, how do I get you to hit the brake? How hard to hit the brake? I would trust you on that. But I want to make sure you're actually hitting the brake. But the cars are looking and saying, oh, you're still so close. No, 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 we got to warn you. And it's like, no, you know what you're doing. You're driving this car. And the software also doesn't change with the driver or the car. Like, that's another annoying thing that I really hate about software today in cars. If you're an aggressive driver or like my dad used to race cars in Egypt and like he can measure distances much, much safer than an average person. So like whenever he gets in a car, he's like, I used to race cars. These cars, like all they do is just warn me on things that I know will never hit me. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, you're right. Like, you are a driver who's shown that you can measure distances really, really well. Why would I continue to alert you on the same thing that already, you already, already knows that you know?
0: Yeah, because you've been safe the entire time. You know, it, you know, when, so when you think about all of your life experience from, from teaching computers how to recognize what a vehicle is to working at Raytheon, um, to working at, let me just see if I could, yes, yeah, the activity schema, we work. We work with a big, uh, hubbub company, as you know, several years back. When you look at all of those different life experiences, you know, what did you, what were the things you learned not to do when you started narrator AI? I usually ask people to start with what they learned to do, but with you in your case, what did you learn what not to do and what you said to yourself? There's no way in God's green earth I'm doing that in this company that I'm starting. What were the things you, what you learned not to do?
1: Yeah, so, <laughs> this is gonna sound really, really weird, but one of the first things I learned not to do when studying Narrator, is don't give people what they say they want. <laughs> at all. Like, at all. People have a tendency to, like, say things, like, all the time. Like, we want dashboards, we want dashboards, we want dashboards, we want this, we wanna see everything, we wanna see everything. And what everyone is always doing is they're taking their current world and they're saying, here's how I imagine you to solve my problem. So that's one thing I learned really quickly. You have to understand, like, not in their current world, what you can add, but what if their current world is completely wrong? Um, don't hire, like, a, don't don't expect a role, don't hire a role to solve a problem. So this is another big thing that happens a lot in, in uh, startups. You're like... I have a marketing problem. Like no one's understanding narrator's uniqueness, and they're like hire a head of marketing. You're like I have a sales problem. Like we're having <laughs> trouble like getting our customers to like understand it and buy. And they're like hire a head of sales. We're like oh, are UX is a little clunky. Hire a head of UX. Like it's always that. And in my life, I've never seen that to ever work. So I learned not to do that. It's fun, It's funny. It, it's funny that you
0: say that before you go to your third one. And my, I've, I've sold businesses outright to private equity companies. I've sold businesses outright to private companies. Those are my favorite sales because I'm out. I don't have to listen to their nonsense. The biggest mistake I made was staying on as a majority owner and a minority private equity company. And their only solution was to hire Harvard grads and, and people from Harvard and Yale. I mean, and no offense to anybody who's graduated from Harvard or Yale. But in my experience, they were the worst employees I've ever had in my life. And to your point, director of sales, director of this, director of that. And they ruined the business because they had no life experience in really running a startup and what it really yeah. meant. Well, I so think- it's interesting that you say that. And by the way, if, if you're a whole lot, if, and if you are those people that I've worked with in the past, you know who you are. I still love you as a human being. You're wonderful people but for God's green earth.
1: Yeah. Well, I do the same thing, actually, about like Google and ex-Facebook. They're, in my experience, have been the worst engineers. Like, it's like you forget that Google, like these people (laughs) who are ex-Google aren't the ones who built Google search. They built, they did nothing for like three years and they have no idea how to like get done. And they're just like... Oh, like at Facebook, we were like, we like to like meditate and our belief, our speech is going to get built. And I'm like, that's because you had no deliverables for like six years. Like, let's go. So I really, really don't like that. Um, but
0: Um uh, So you, you, you're trying to tell me that deep meditation for three and a half. Uh, this is a funny story. This is a true story. I'm at, I came in one day to my sales office. I am not lying to you. And I've got. Two out of my five sales guys doing presentations. The other two are sitting there and they're on, they're, you know, working, clearly working some follow up and doing some emails. And then I look under the desk and there's a dude, literally socks and shoes off, comatose under my desk, just like this. So I, I looked around and they're all like, nobody knows what's to say. Right. So I bring the guy into my office. I'm like, Hey, so-and-so, what, what the heck were you, were you doing in there? He goes, oh, he goes, I, I do 20-minute meditations uh, every two hours because it helps me become more productive. I said, okay, well, first of all, it's kind of weird to do it in the middle of the office, number one, and that's not how this works. Like, you can meditate at home before you come to work. You can meditate afterwards. You can meditate at lunch you can absolutely do all that stuff you need to do, but during the day, you got to get on the phone. You got to call someone. You got to be presented to someone. No meditation is going to help you unless you close deals. He was the worst producer, never sold anything, but nobody meditated. Ahmed better than my man who was trained in that culture, which was fascinating that you mentioned the culture of, you know, meditation is, is great. Don't get me wrong. I love meditating, but if actually if something has to be sold and something has to be built, like hammers and nails, yeah, and I, going th- that
1: just that, that personality it's of what you getting do. stuff done is just something that like you don't see in larger companies, and you don't see that this person has never learned that. Um, I actually also don't hire I, another thing. That I I also made. I probably went too far in this one. I decided to not hire a lot of people, so we don't In narrator till today. We have no product people and no designers, <laughs> and you would think that that would oh, be a boy. disaster, but. Oh, and and no managers of, no just managers. Nobody who's, uh, we don't hire anyone whose entire job is to manage people and not do any work. So I'm definitely in the extreme case where I just found that like I work better with people doing work and executing. So like product people whose job it is to communicate, to like, to write complicated specs, come up with ideas that the engineers have to implement. Like engineers are not dumb. We treat, sometimes we treat engineers as it's like, Oh, the engineering resource. You need to give them tickets in bite sized chunks and they need to have like very detailed explanations. Like those are again, bad engineers. Hire good engineers and be like, Hey, good engineer, like solve this problem for the customer. And like they can come up with ideas, design systems already. You can buy design systems that make your thing looks beautiful. You don't need someone coming up with a brand new box every two hours. Like there's stuff out there. You can just use it. So I just found that a lot of these things just focusing on hiring people who Actually, we're we're good at doing jobs and wanted to do the job and thought and did work. So my I'll give you I think my, my my one of my role models.
0: But hold on, hold on, hold on, because I'm I'm actually over here on my break and my, and my producer's going to yell at me. So what I need to do is I need to take a break and when we come back we'll finish your thought. You're with Ahmed. You're with your handsome host Adam Degrade. This is the David versus Goliath podcast. Here's a very special message from our corporate sponsor sponsor. AutomateMySocial.com Stay tuned
2: Do you own a business? Do you have or need a social media presence? If you are like most businesses You spend either no time Or too much time and money On your social media strategy Spending thousands of dollars per month Only to get mediocre and inconsistent results This leads to frustration And in some cases Sleepless nights Introducing AutomateMySocial.com. Automate 90% of your social media and never have to think about it again. That's right. Automate your business's social media posting and strategy like forever. Automate the essentials and customize only what's needed. Save time, save money, and get better results with AutomateMySocial.com. Our patent-pending technology gives you the ability to automatically create your social post and distribute them immediately like in seconds across all your social media platforms stop the madness of paying someone to create post and manage your strategy and let our software do the work so you don't have to oh and if you're an agency or social media manager you too can let our software do all the work and you can get all the credit it will be our little secret With AutomateMySocial.com, you can have it all. It's easy to use, never complains, and never ask for time off or more benefits. See this amazing new software application at AutomateMySocial.com. If you own a business or manage client social media and want to save time, energy, money, all while increasing your return on investment, then let's get this party started at AutomateMySocial.com.
0: And we're back with the rubber Iron Man, Ahmed from Narrator AI. And that'll make more sense after we finish our thought, because I have that question I need to ask you about. Um, I was reading in the pre-show sheet that you made a better Iron Man out of rubber. But before we get to that, I want to make sure you finish your your thoughts that you were heard. Um, So go for it.
1: Oh, that was about, yeah, just hiring people like, um, just like, I, I hire people we like to call like, uh, thinker doers. So people who would think one day, do four days is kind of my things. Not people who just want to execute without any thought and mindless and not people who just want to spend their whole entire week coming up with great thoughts. And I'm like, so that's kind of just the premise of the alternate uh, to the nature that I've seen a lot of companies do.
0: You know, it's it's a it's a principle that I learned years ago from a gentleman named Eustace Wolfington. He invented uh, car leasing. So imagine that your, your claim to fame is you invented the car lease, which is, as you know, one of the most profitable things and made cars more affordable to people, right? Well, what's fascinating about it is he taught me the principle of think, feel, do, which is what do you want people to think? What do you want them to feel? And then most importantly, what do you want them to do? So in every aspect of building your business, you have to ask yourself, well, what do you want your employee to think? What do you want them to feel? What do you want them to do? Then your employees need to think, in doing this on behalf of the customer, what do we want the customer to think? What do we want them to feel? And more importantly, what do we want them to do? It works in sales. It works in product development. It works in training and recruiting and mentoring people. That principle has served Hi. me well over the years. So I love your idea of thinking and then doing. So but don't forget, there's a feeling aspect to it too. We cannot. But we I, can't lose so that. Funny.
1: I love this framework. I imagine you're going to see me use that because- the problem what I find in the data industry. So when I when I started a data company narrator, one of the things that I hated about the data industry is that you would think, well, which will 99 they're in like in out of the think field. do. What do you think they spend all their time in? Thinking. No, they don't. They don't. That's a funny thing. All the products that you Oh it's probably doing. Not that like they're either. just doing. You I wish that was it. It's actually feeling. Like literally every data product you use today. The only thing that it's designed to do is make you feel like you're using data. There's the 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 product itself is just a thousand numbers. You have no opinion. You you as the consumer of that data will never do anything. Like I've never heard someone saying, "Whoa, I got to go do something different because this ginormous dashboard of 600 numbers tells me that I'm doing something wrong." Like it's it's always about this idea of feeling like I'm data driven and feeling like I'm using data. And when I I, in a narrator, we decided to actually do the opposite. We're like. The goal is to get you to act, which is do something. And the goal is to get you to think a certain way. So we do a lot of work. We're not like, we're not a, we're not just a tool. We're very, we have a lot of opinions in how you should think about data, how you should think about your questions, how do you think about your customers? And the tool itself is guiding you toward that direction and helping you do something. Like, not do something is look at data. No, no, take an action to change the customer behavior. That's great. And that's where we focus. And that's kind of separation from the Let's just feel for all days. It's like, I want to feel data driven.
0: Now, when you, when you decided that it was time for you to start your own thing, because one of the things I thought was interesting too for the watchers and the listeners is that, uh, he's on Forbes 30 under 30 of 2021. So you were on the Forbes 30 under 30 CEOs to watch in the future. You know, all of your life experience, you know, led you up to that point when you started narrator AI. Did you go into it with a very detailed plan and goals or was it more of a loose objective that has been defined over the years?
1: Yeah. So I had two things that I wanted to do. Uh, they just were considered impossible. So narrative spent the first three years in research. So the okay. idea of narrative was everyone, like you've, you've answered questions and data. Uh, all your companies have answered questions data. Yet every time they answer a new question, they have to, take the data and structure and make it usable by themselves, custom every time. An idea was Salesforce did this incredible thing where Salesforce took all of sales and said, I'm going to represent sales as a couple of core concepts, leads, accounts, opportunities, and tasks. And today, That's all it. of sales can be represented that way. Pre-Salesforce, there was a billion other things. And Salesforce said, nope, all these, this for is all you need. What is that for data? What is the standard that I can say? Every question you have can be answered by this standard. If you apply this standard, you can answer any question because then you can actually share analyses, you can share algorithms, you can go from one company to another and answer questions without worrying about it. So the idea was there must exist a thing that I can build that will answer any question and it will be the same thing for every company in the world. There exists a standard in answering data questions. And what is that standard? And that's what I went out to, um, to, to build Narrator. I had an idea what it could be, but when I started Narrator, the idea was can I actually define a standard? Can I implement it? And can I show that this standard, independent of your industry, your sector, whatever question you're asking, this standard can answer it always? And that's what we ended up doing. That was the, that's what we call the activity schema. It's this standard. It's a 10 column, imagine 10 column tables, imagine a big Excel sheet. That's the same 10 yep. columns for every company in the world. And it turns out with that, you can answer any question instantly. And that, That's awesome. to make that happen, was probably 100 times harder than making a car drive by itself, in my opinion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny. The the secret to success in life is when you're building software, is to take a complicated issue and then get it down to a, a little pill size. So it's edible and digestible by your client. And it also, to your point, becomes functional and useful. Just to have access to all this data and you have a dashboard that gives you the ability to mix and match things doesn't necessarily mean you're looking at the right things. And I think that really is a very important and profound point. How big is your team? You mentioned it a little bit earlier, but how big is your current team inside of Narrator?
1: Very small. We're 11 people.
0: That's great. By the way, it's still bigger than a lot of other companies, you know, and, and, and I tell people all the time. Yeah, uh, Ahmed. When I my companies reach over 50 employees, I, I kind of like I turn into like a zombie because I, it's just because too many people. But you know, the most I've ever had in any business I've ever run is 180. And that's a small company. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, it, but it's a big company. Like when you have that many human beings, you're dealing with like 5,000 people because you got their wives and their spouses and their husbands and their kids and their, you know, grandkids. And then they get their illnesses and their sicknesses and you got... I couldn't do it. Boom! You know, it's like, it's. oh no, I trust me. It's small, tough. It's not easy. I keep
1: narrative small very, very deliberately. Like, I am, I, like, it is, when we, we we've, we've, has had a good amount of success and people are always like, hire more, hire more, hire more, hire more. I'm like, no. Like, I don't want to. I'd rather move, we're, we're so ahead of the, in, in the data curve and in innovation, we're so far ahead that like, the companies trying to do what we do are like, four years behind. Like amplitude and snowflake, just yeah. try to do what we do. Well, you can move.
0: Bit. You can move quick. You can move quick because you get a lot of employees. I sometimes ask myself, why the hell does Twitter need four thousand customers? I mean, ca- employees. What ca- What could those people possibly be doing? So, Twitter's pretty simple. I'll tell you something. You do a comment and a hashtag, and you post it. You post an image. You post thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Maybe you have corporate relations. Maybe you have a few other these other things. But four thousand people. I got news for the watchers and listeners. of those people do nothing. Absolutely nothing.
1: So I, at Raytheon, I once got pulled into uh, one of the, uh, the president of the entire uh, integrated defense systems. And um, I got told this one thing that was epic. He was like, oh man, I had just gotten an award. He was like, oh, you're very, you're doing very well. Like, I just think that you're one of the um, uh, 5%. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? He goes, he goes, 5% of the people at Raytheon Are producing 95% of the value. And I was like, interesting. He's like, yeah, it's just five percent. And I was like, what do the other ninety-five percent do? He goes, they make us look like we're a big company.
0: That's exactly right. That's it. That's (laughs) exact by the way, I'm I'm convinced. Well, let me give you a little example. So, and this is not the greatest example because it was a very difficult time for a lot of people. But COVID, as much as I thought it was nonsense. I'll probably get banned off just for saying that, but the fact that the whole thing was nonsense, in my opinion, um, it did show me something. I didn't need nearly as many employees as I had. Yeah. Because we went through a a time where we had to shrink during that time. We not only didn't miss a step, we produced things and got stuff done faster and had a higher customer satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And you see what happens if you're running a business right now and you're watching the David versus Glide podcast. She should be to Ahmed's point early on. To Ahmed's point early on, you try to solve a problem with a warm body. That's not going to solve a problem. The warm body creates more problems, and that's why when you have somebody who's always doing something, they leave. Whenever they leave, sixty percent of the time, you're going to find stuff that you couldn't believe they were doing because that warm body that you thought was solving a problem was making more problems than you had even you didn't even know about. So. You want to hire slow and you want to fire fast is what I've learned. You hire slow and you fire fast because just once, if you if your people are coming to you constantly saying, I need more help. I need more help. I need more help. Everyone's going to say time out. Everyone out of the pool. Do you really need more help? And then sometimes, Ahmed, it involves us as the CEOs getting out of our throne of glory or wherever we are in that company, working in that department, doing what they're doing, and seeing how efficient it can be, or somebody that we trust can do that. Um, and I've found that to be very, very helpful. That's why I love the fact that in most of my businesses, I've done almost every job other than write code. Um, you know, It's the only thing I can't do. But at the end of the day, I love doing as much as I can because it gives me the ability to know what can be done and how quickly it can be done. And that's the case.
1: And I I think you'll always find, in addition to what you're saying, is like when you invest in the good people, like they can do a lot. I think we have a tendency to like, like there's like spreads of like junior and senior. I'm a very big fan of get people who are really good at what they're doing, pay them a lot of money and let them be great. Like don't try to be like, oh, instead of one person, I can have three. But those three people will, especially, especially in software, Especially in software, you don't need a lot of people writing software. You need a couple of people writing good software. Mm-mm. Like you don't need a lot of people writing Correct. software. And the nature is, you feel every single executive.
0: Our team, our team is our
1: team is five yeah. right now, and I find that to be Cr- five is incredible. And spot they will crush on. like fifty person teams because those fifty person teams are having fifty meetings, and no one's getting it done. And there are so many conversations and the code is garbage and layers.
0: There's an eight thirty stand eight thirty stand-up, twelve thirty stand-up, four forty-five stand-up. And you know what? That deserves some stand-up comedy. (laughs) Anyway, we're gonna take we're gonna take another break on the David versus Goliath Podcast with another fantastic
3: sponsor. Stay tuned. Here's the message. At ISU Armac Agency we want to be your one responsible source for all of your insurance needs. From a rocket engineer in California to several hospitals in Illinois, our personal lines team specializes in hard to place risks and high net worth clientele. With two locations and 20 plus agents, we can write in all 50 states to better serve our clients with needs in multiple states. Family owned and operated since 1962 and four generations carrying on the tradition of insurance. Celebrating our 60th year in the industry, we are truly proud of where we have come from and where we are going. With over 300 carriers nationwide, our agency can offer individuals and businesses more choices and better prices. ISU-RMAC brings a wide variety of solutions to the table. For more information, visit us online at www.isu-rmac.com.
0: segment with Ahmed. I'm enjoying the conversation. Hopefully you are as well too. Uh, I do want to switch gears right now and and talk about two things. Something a little bit lighthearted. On your website that I was rating about you before you came on, it says that you made a better Iron Man out of rubber. Mm -hmm. What does that mean?
1: uh, Okay, so here's the problem with Iron Man. Iron Man sucks. Um, And there's many, many reasons why Iron Man sucks. One of the biggest reasons (laughs) is that it, for Iron Man to walk, like in the street, it's using the same amount of energy as if Iron Man is walking through a wall. Mm. And that level of animation, like if you, when you actually build, go to build real Iron Man, what happens is you have to predict the leg motion and you have to walk and you have to move the entire thing to move. It's also very heavy and dense, which means you need a huge power source. In the movie, they invent a nuclear reactor that fits in your thing, but in reality, You don't have a nuclear reactor. I'm
0: wearing a circle. I'm wearing a circle
1: in in honor of Iron Man. Iron Man sucks! (laughs) So, but it's true. So, there's so much energy used in Iron Man, and it's so inefficient. And then, when you have this ginormous thing, there has to be a cooling system to not have the person in Iron Man overheat and die. So, you're talking about a very heavy, not movable, highly energy inefficient system because it's made out of it. So, Iron Man has a bunch of benefits. One of the benefits is super strength and being able to move things. So it turns out what you can do is rubber is elastic. Yeah. What that means is that if you wear a rubber suit and it's like open when you're walking, it's zero energy because you're just stretching the rubber. But rubber, if you pressurize it with like, imagine like liquid nitrogen, which is pretty much imagine a big paintball gun and you put that much air pressure, as you know, from your car, that can apply a lot of pressure. Like Deforming that to spaces out can apply a lot of force. So the idea of building the Ironman out of rubber was that you can understand if someone's struggling and allow them to pick up a desk or pick up a person or pick up something and run with it as if it's nothing because you can get so much more force into your body thanks to that pressure tank, but the suit still being light and you don't have to build an air system. You don't have to make it cost a billion dollars. You don't have to build an entire energy system to use it. You can have something that's super gives you super strength but still super cheap to build and super easy and lightweight to use when it's not active.
0: Wow, that's like Elastigirl on the uh whatever the heck that is. What is that what is that called the the Incredibles? I don't know if you've ever seen that one. You have Elastigirl and then you also got the elastic guy that's in the yeah. uh, Fantastic Four, Rubber Man. One of my favorite one of my favorite uh cartoons of the old and you I guarantee you don't even you've never heard of this. Have you ever heard of the Mighty Mighty Heroes? No. Exactly. you got to look it I'm up after this. You just, To be fair, I didn't. <laughs> there was chicken. Hold on, hold on. There was ch- chicken. I guarantee 99% of the people watching this show have no idea what I'm talking about. Chicken Man and then... Diaper Man was the best. His superpower—he had a diaper on. He flew around. He whacked people with his little, uh, you know, his little uh, baby bottle. <laughs> it was the craziest cartoon ever that I was raised in. Half of my uh, mental insanity, I'm convinced, comes from the fact that my parents let me watch a thing called Mighty Mighty Heroes with a guy named uh, Chicken Man and Diaper Man. But anyway, I digress. Uh, one of the last topics I like to talk about is courage. You know, you think about all of your experience, you know, going from autonomous vehicles to Raytheon working in the government to to WeWork to now being one of Forbes 30 of 30 people to watch, under 30, under 30 CEOs to watch. You know, I don't care what your past experience has been. There's an element of courage that has to take place from an entrepreneur to go from an employee to employer. There's also a lot of demons you got to face in the mirror. That's why I call the show David versus Goliath. All of us have a Goliath we're competing with, whether it's inside us or externally with our competitors and competitive forces in the market. All of us as leaders and CEOs and entrepreneurs are facing both internal Goliaths and external Goliaths. For you, what gave you the courage, Ahmed, to start Narrator AI versus just looking for another super high-paying job at another company where you could hide if you wanted to and make a lot of money?
1: So uh, the answer is really simple. I really just thought, I felt like in data, there's a lot of people wasting their lives, like a lot of smart people wasting their life. So you don't know how, like, I don't know how familiar you are, but like the, the process of answering a question today, even like at my level of like, I would consider myself a SQL expert like a simple question like, hey, did somebody receive this email campaign? How many of them ended up ordering? Or like, what's the rate of ordering by campaign? Uh, that would take me like three weeks. And I'm an expert. It's these questions. And what happened is because it's so hard, you had all these other stock companies being like, we'll just give you email attribution. And they, and like Google will say, oh, we, we'll tell you the ROI that we're providing. And if you ever use those tools and you learn that they're all full of shit, like I've spent a lot of time analyzing this data, like Google's ROI that it's telling you is like, they're like, we return $4 on every dollar you spend on us, keep spending more money on us, don't worry. And they're like, "Uh, no, you suck. And then, so a lot of these companies have taken advantage of people because answering questions is really hard. So a lot of companies still know that answering questions correctly is very important. So they invest in their data team. But it's still so hard and it's so terrible and it hasn't changed for 50 years and it's just a laborsome process. And there's, if you're in the industry similar like you a long enough, you've seen a cycle so many times. So what I was watching is people in my team doing work that they weren't proud of, miserable kind of like code monkey work for hours, dealing with a shit show that is the data systems. And then all these companies trying to replace people with these shitty tools that were trash and didn't do anything but they knew how to market them and sell them and now it just and now what I wanted to do was like what, what if I could solve the actual company like what if I actually solved the problem that people are trying to do which is like what if I make people be able to answer questions better but also correctly and it turns out that is hard so like I ended up going on a tour first and I was like let me find a company that's doing that answering questions correctly and let me see if I can work for them or like help them. Um, and I went around and nobody did it. And then I want to talk to Apple and Google and uh, Facebook and I was like, how do you guys answer questions? You're supposed to be the best of best. And they're like, oh, we just hire more people. Like these companies have 200, 300 bodies answering these questions. Like <laughs> I, I get it, sucks, it and they all hate it. I get so it. I'm
0: like, okay. well." And half of them, half of them right now, half of them, Ahmed, are, <laughs> are underneath their desk doing this. <laughs> and you know it's true, Facebook. Ooh. You know it's true, Google. And you definitely know it's true, Twitter. So You well, know that's it. That's the thing. I hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we don't get banned off of all of these after this interview.
1: Yeah, you're going to be classified. I'm going to be removing you. Um, but the point is, that that's, that's why I started. It just, it just felt so shitty. And I, I thought, like somebody to do something and if it's not me it's not gonna like this doesn't look like a way to make money like narrator uh, now is great but like early on it like didn't it looked very counter yeah. and you're going up against when you try to sell a product everyone's like first of all you're doing things very differently so no one knows this new method of doing data everyone's like why doesn't everyone use you if it's so great and you're like well we just started and then they're <laughs> exactly. like you're competing with like these ginormous companies like look like looker and tableau that have 2000 engineers and then a billion dollars of marketing being spent yep. telling people to not change their ways yep. and then you're fighting that inertia and then you're also fighting the inertia of the head of data a lot of heads of data want to grow their team they don't want to be more efficient no. like narrator in this recession narrator doubled its sales in, in the last couple months in the last 3 months the best month the best quarter we've ever had first of all the fact the that
0: you called it the fact that you called it a recession is disinformation. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, You're not allowed to call a recession a recession anymore. It's, an uh, ac- it's an, a, we're, we're redefining everything. No, I'm just kidding. We are absolutely in a recession, and, and kudos to you. So if I could just stop you for one second and tell you what that said to me, the courage that you found to start Narrator AI was more of a passion to solve the real problem Versus just continuing on it. So you weren't even sure if you were going to be profitable with it when you started it? You just wanted to fix the problem? Or
1: did you-, you- didn't even fix it. I didn't even know. I like it, the, the problem. Again, the problem is if it works, the theory of narrator was going to be that it would replace all of data. So it was like, there's like a hundred trillion dollar industry that if you can standardize all of data, then you don't need all these customization. Then you're and fine. Then you replace yeah. it all. So like, I love that. They, I love they, that they,
0: vision. They, by the way, I love that vision. Why not have that?
1: Yeah. Well, we do. That, that's that's an area now provides. But in the beginning, you can imagine telling people that they were like,
0: "Okay, hold on." <laughs> they, thought were, they, yeah. thought were, they thought you were. They thought you were. They you were doing bongs in the back. They did. They didn't. There's oh, no way they believed 100%. it.
1: They thought I was yeah. insane. I I got laughed out of rooms. Like it was. So the courage was really about like just wanting to do it and being like. Like I just had, I just like, I was like, I just need to do this. Like, I don't know what else to do. It's so annoying that the world is this way, but like, and it took years. Like you're talking about like, you don't hear many startups spending years in research and development in software. Usually it's like we built the software in like two weeks and then we started showing it to people. It's like, no, we spent years in research. Like how the hell do you do this? How do you get it to work? Um, and then now after like, after it takes like, what, three years to get the one thing to work. And then it was like, okay, now we have a billion buttons and then how to make that simpler so someone else can use it. And then it took <laughs> another year. And then it was like, we solved the core problem and we have a nice interface to make it work. And people were like, Oh, well, because you're so different, you need to build the rest of the world around you now. And we're like, Oh my God. <laughs> okay, no, <sure>. they're, <laughs> they're,
0: they're, all, they're all missing it. Now, how can somebody uh, get in touch with you if they want to learn more?
1: yeah so check out our website um, so our website AI is a good place to go uh, for me personally I'm active on LinkedIn um, just because I'm basic that way so you can go on LinkedIn and follow me and I'll share some of my thoughts on the world and data and everything in between um, and yeah and, and anything else you need
0: that's awesome have you had fun being on the DVG podcast today?
1: Uh, oh my god it's incredible thank you I really love it <laughs>
0: I'm so glad, I'm so glad you did. The rubber Iron Man, Ahmed, Adam DeGrade, your handsome host on the David versus Goliath podcast. Where else are you going to learn about self-driving vehicles, how Iron Man sucks and the power of 10 things making all you need in your data? Make sure you check out narrator AI. Ahmed, thank you for joining me today. Viewers and watchers, thank you and listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the David versus Goliath podcast. We'll see you next week. Have an awesome day.